praise you and thank you for this day where we gather together in the name of Jesus and through the power of your spirit to worship you, <coughs> to be caught up in your story, and to learn about you and given the grace to live as you've called us. Lord, we ask you to send us, send your Holy Spirit to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to the work you want to do in our lives. Transform us and change us, Lord. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so earlier this week, I was listening to the radio as I was driving to work and heard an, an interview about the making of Sesame Street. And I thought, oh, this is cool. Sesame Street, I found out, is celebrating 50 years of airtime. That's uh, 20 years older than I am. Now, maybe some of you grew up watching Sesame Street or grew up, or your kids grew up watching Sesame Street. Uh, maybe you watch Sesame Street now. Um. <laughs> so this interview was about uh, how Sesame Street has adapted over time to continue to accomplish its mission, which simply put, is to create content to help kids grow smarter, stronger, and kinder. And one way, as we all probably know, they accomplished this mission is through music. And one of the songs that they played during the interview struck me as a clear reflection of our cultural moment and the way that Sesame Street desires to form our children. Now, the song is called What I Am, and the song's artist is Will I Am. So, yeah, Will I Am. That's, that's I don't know what to do with that name, but either way. This is the song. Here's some of the lyrics by Will I Am. There's one me. There's only one me. I am it. Have a dream. I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'll keep my head up high. Keep on reaching high. Never gonna quit. I'll be getting stronger. And nothing's gonna bring me down. Never gonna stop. Gotta go because I know I'll keep getting stronger. And what I am is thoughtful, and what I am is musical, what I am is smart. What I am is brave, what I am is helpful, what I am is special. There's nothing I can't achieve, because in myself I believe. It's a catchy tune, and on the surface seems innocent enough. But this morning I would propose that at its course, core, uh, this song is not good news. It's actually bad news. Because for all its upbeatness, there's a sense of desperation in it. As if this mantra will push back the negativity and the darkness. But it doesn't. Because it actually brings the darkness on. How? How does it bring darkness? This, this positive, upbeat tune by Will I Am. Well, friends, first, it, the song piles on shame. If you aren't strong, if you aren't good, if you aren't brave, if you aren't musical, you failed, you aren't good. It also piles on the guilt. What happens if, if the child who listens to songs messes up? Who's to blame? Well, they're supposed to be strong. They're supposed to believe in themselves. Only the child is to blame. How debilitating. You have to make yourself good, child. Hide your shame. Hide what you messed up. This is heartbreaking, I would say. And finally, it is also isolating. Because positive affirmation can be destroyed by one negative statement. A hundred attaboys can be undone 
by one. What were you thinking? And when we do get criticized, what do we do? We isolate. We retreat into ourselves. We try to comfort ourselves. And friends, we are our worst critics. No amount of I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy, repeated over and over, can outweigh that lump in our stomach that says I am worthless. So while we might not use positive self-affirmation as a daily ritual, which, by the way, is really a thing, Google it, the idea of self-affirmation is in the water of our culture, and it is easy to fall into the idea that we have to make ourselves better on our own. Another phrase that's been used that maybe is a little uh, more appropriate uh, is that you have to pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. And you know, friends, on one level, this song makes perfect sense. Because if you believe that the world, that in the world, all that there is is humanity, there is no transcendent God, then we have to be our own saviors. If you like films, films like Batman Begins, the whole Batman saga, or Interstellar, preach this gospel. We have to save ourselves from our shame and our guilt and our isolation we have to fight for more affirmation. The only option we have is to sing along with Will I Am and hope that this liturgy of self-affirmation will bring some relief and some change. But friends, built into the song is a cycle of defeat. We'll only continue to feel isolated, guilty, and ashamed. That's true if there isn't a transcendent reality, if there isn't someone outside of us. But what if there is? What if we're not alone? What if there is someone outside of us? Someone who knows us better than we know ourselves, who is singing and declaring a different song that can actually change us, that can actually make a difference in our lives. A song that frees us from slavery of saving ourselves and the inevitable shame, guilt, and isolation that comes. A song of delight and joy of creation and redemption. And friends, that, there is that song. There is a song like that. And in, in all three of our readings this morning, we heard the melody of this song. The song of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who declares that we are accepted, forgiven, and loved, and makes us so. So let's listen to a different song and allow this song and the singer to transform us. Now, to hear this song of creation and redemption and allow it to overcome our songs of self-condemnation and affirmation, we need to catch a glimpse of the one who sings it and why God sings the song of creation and redemption. And to do that, we, we turn to Proverbs 8 first. Now, in Proverbs 8, the wisdom of God is personified as a distinct person that Yahweh begot before the creation of the world, through whom he created the world and through whom he upholds and sustains the world. Now, in light of John 1, 1 through 5, where uh, the, the author, uh, John's gospel, says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, we can see that in this passage, a picture of the son's eternal relationship with the father and the father's eternal relationship with the son is, is being shown. It's pointing us to the being and action of God, the father, son, and Holy Spirit who creates. 
So this means that in Proverbs 8.30, for example, where we hear, I was his delight, rejoicing before him always, we catch a glimpse, just a, a faint hint, of the father's love for the son and the son's love for the father. Friends, from eternity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit delight in one another. They are love, happiness, total joy, and fullness. And this means, friends, that God, when God created the world, he did it not because he needed us, not because he was lonely, but because he was full of life, full of joy, full of, of happiness, and he wanted to share that with the creation that he has made. He wanted to share his love with others. It is out of this freedom and delight and fullness that the song of creation bursts forth. And how does this happen? How does God create? Well, we see in Genesis 1 that God declares and it comes into existence. God speaks and it happens. And friends, this is, this is key to our sermon this morning. Like a motif in a symphony where we hear the same three notes appearing throughout, tying the whole piece of music together. God the Father creates the world out of nothing and love through his, his word and his spirit. He declares and it comes to pass. Fleming Rutledge, an Anglican preacher and theologian, says it this way. In the Old Testament, God's word is performative. It creates what it names. The very first scripture, uh, first verse of scripture shows God creating ex nihilo, a Latin phrase meaning out of nothing. By his utterance, he creates ex nihilo by his utterance. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God's word alone brings creation into being. Friends, unlike our words that get all confused and twisted, that can't affirm ourselves into new existence, it leads to shame and guilt and isolation. Unlike our words, God's words is true, and it accomplishes what he says. This motif is carried throughout the whole of Scripture. We hear it again in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that so shall my word that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which i purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which i sent it this is the word of god this is how god works he declares and makes it so but even as the song of creation still rung in humanity's ears Adam and Eve tried to sing their own song. They envied God and his power and his knowledge, and they rebelled. And friends, Will I Am's song is, is just another version of the song that Adam and Eve sung, a song of self-willed, self-ruled, self-defined rebellion. And friends, while it might feel like freedom, this idea of making myself who I am, believing in myself, all that this freedom pays is guilt, shame, isolation, and eventually death. As Paul said in Romans 6, the wages that sin pays is death. And another reality is that will I am ignores the damage, the, uh, damage and, and pain of life. 
He ignores the damage and sin in life and covers it up with just positive affirmations. You mess up, just, just affirm yourself. I am powerful. I am good enough. I am strong enough. It just doesn't deal with reality. The more we ignore something, the more we ignore the pain that we're in, the more we ignore how little we can do on our own, the more we cover it up, the more we try to affirm it, the more we bind ourselves with the unbreakable chains of shame and guilt and isolation. And friends, this is why God has revealed to us that we are broken and rebellious, that we are fallen. It's grace when we have a clear picture of reality. Then we know that we are sinners is actually a good thing. But it's also because, it's a good news because God has also rescued us. Humanity's rebellious song, the song, song we've all sung, doesn't overwhelm the triune God who created the universe. He will redeem and has redeemed the world just as he created it through his word that makes all things new. God weaves how he will save humanity through all of his dealings with humanity in this motif of making what he declares. God declares Abraham righteous and makes him righteous. He declares Israel his chosen people and rescues them and makes them his chosen people. And all of this leads to the climax of the song when the all-powerful word of God becomes human to heal, forgive, and love his ashamed, guilty, and isolated creatures. In John 16, we see this motif of declaration arise as John opens his disciples' ears to the creation and redemption song of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's look at this text briefly to see how this works. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection. They don't understand what's about to happen, and they're overwhelmed. But Jesus assures them that the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will come and guide them into all truth. What is all truth, you might ask? Well, according to John, it's Jesus. John says in four, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this means that the Spirit will come and unite his disciples to Jesus. And how will he do this then? Well, he does this by declaring what is to come and by making what is Christ's and declaring it to his disciples. Let me clarify what these two phrases mean. What is to come? We have to think about this in the moment. What is to come for the disciples? In this moment is Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus accomplishes what he says he will. The word destroys death, overcomes evil, judges rebellion, and in doing so creates a new way of being, the way of new creation. And this is what the Spirit will declare and make real in the disciples. He will also declare to them, what is mine? Well, what is Jesus's? Well, above all else, it is his eternal loving relationship with the Father. The Spirit will usher them into the love of God, the Father and Son. They will abide in Christ. And friends, this deals with our isolation. We belong. If you are in Christ, you are not alone. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwells in you, and you are a part of the body of Christ. You are part of the church. 
the Holy Spirit declares and makes us an abide in the divine word, Jesus Christ. And in abiding in Christ, the Spirit unites us to him to give us all the glorious benefits of his life, death, and resurrection. Theologian Michael Reeves summarizes this passage well by saying that the Spirit takes what is the Son's and makes it ours. So what is in Christ? What is it that he gives us? Well, beyond taking us from isolation and bringing us into abiding Christ, we are, we are given so much more, and we see this in Romans 5, concentrating on 1 through 5. Paul expresses just some of these benefits. Here we see that in Christ we receive justification, peace, grace, access to God, hope in the midst of suffering, growth in character, and the love of God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes from outside of us and accomplishes our redemption apart from anything that we do. Anything that we do. We, friends, in Romans uh, 5, 6, he says that we're, we're helpless. We are ungodly. Apart from anything we do, he accomplishes this salvation, and the Spirit and comes and unites us to Christ through faith. In Christ, we are declared, accepted, loved, and forgiven, and through the Holy Spirit, we are slowly made so. We are slowly healed. We are slowly made like Jesus. This is the double gift of union with Christ. We are justified. We are truly accepted and loved by God. And we are sanctified. We are being recreated by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And friends, because this was accomplished apart from anything we've done, we don't have to look inside ourselves for acceptance and freedom and shame, from, from shame and forgiveness for guilt. We don't have to save ourselves. We look to Jesus in the Holy Spirit who has totally forgiven us, totally accepted us, and is healing us of the damage that rebellion and brokenness has done in our lives. Do you think you're far, too far gone? Do you think your shame cannot be healed? Do you feel defiled by others or by past wrongs? Friends, no one is too far gone for this God, this triune God who creates and saves the world. I mean, friends, look at the Apostle Peter. He denied and rejected Jesus. That's pretty rough. I mean, let's be honest. He denied and rejected Jesus. This guy he hung out for three years, he says, no, I, I'm not with him. But what does Jesus do? He goes and has a meal with him and reconciles with him. And he declares and makes him an apostle. Makes him one who declares the gospel to others. He makes him new. And friends, we're all like Peter. And Jesus died and rose for us Decla to declare and make us new creations. So let's listen to the powerful, never-failing word of God from Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who, is, who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is the song 
of new creation. And God is making you who you are in Christ. You are accepted. You belong. You are forgiven. And you are being transformed. Will I Am says that all we have to do is believe in ourselves to be our best selves. But this leads to shame, guilt, and isolation. God the Father declares and sings over us that we are accepted, loved, and forgiven, that we belong in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And he's making us new. Which song will you sing? Which song will you listen to? And as you ponder that, let us close with four applications of our gospel, of the gospel in our lives. When we try to save ourselves, we enslave ourselves is one of the things that we've learned this morning. Only God saves sinners, friends. And Jesus has saved you and is making you whole through his life-giving spirit. You don't have to save yourself. You don't have to pull the, your own bootstraps on. You don't have to pull yourself up. Jesus has saved you and is saving you. Rest. Rest in your salvation. Secondly, God heals our shame. The negative and powerfully negative words and thoughts that others have said to us and that we say to ourselves, Jesus has dealt decisively with on the cross. Jesus knows who we are. He knows everything about us. He knows every sin we've committed. He knows every sin that we've been, that's been committed against us. He knows the damage in our hearts. And he takes all of our shame and all of our guilt and he declares over us and into us that you are loved and forgiven and accepted. Will you give yourself to him? Will you receive these words and allow him to transform you? Thirdly, God is healing our sinful desires so we still don't have to save ourselves. If you've lived the Christian life for any period of time, you realize that when you are accepted by Christ and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you still sin. And a part of, part of the Christian life is realizing that while we are in Christ, we still struggle with our sinful desire. When we fail, friends, we don't go back to square one. We are not cast out when we sin. Jesus isn't surprised when we struggle. No, he forgives us and calls us to become who we are. Singing the song of new creation again into our hearts, he calls us to become the beloved child that you are. Look to Christ as he brings about what he has promised in his spirit. Friends, consider yourselves dead to sin in Christ because that's what you are. And finally, friends, we are not alone. We are a part of the body of Christ, the church, where we grow in our likeness in Christ and share the gospel with each other and others. So friends, instead of sharing nicisms or positive affirmations or attaboys, what, it would, what would it look like if we reminded one another who we are in Christ? That you are accepted, loved, and forgiven and being transformed. What would it look like if we preached the gospel to each other? What would it look like if we lived that? 
God's word does not return void. God will accomplish what he promises and what he purposes. And he purposes that all of us would receive and walk in the triune God that declares and make it a reality that we are accepted, loved, and belong. In him, we stand in awe and pray. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, thank you. We thank you and praise you that you are the God who sings new songs, new creation into our hearts. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you are eternal, everlasting, infinite joy, love, and delight. We ask you to move in our hearts as we come to praise you and worship you and thankfulness and gratitude for your gospel. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.